Hey friends, we're so glad that you've joined us here today. My name's Kevin and I'm one of the pastors here at Friends Church in Orange. And whether you're watching this message online or listening to it in your car or on a run or wherever you are today, it's our hope that the words that are shared, that the message of God that is shared in this message will give you hope, life, and encouragement as you seek to live faithfully for Jesus in the midst of your world. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so by going to our website. We'd love to meet you, we'd love to connect with you, and we'd love to serve you in any way we can. Good morning. There we go. You're there. I just wanted to say hi. Um, we say this often, but we're so excited that, that you chose to come be with us today at Friends Church Orange. We know that there are so many amazing churches all around Orange County, and so thanks for being here with us. And I love, Angel, thank you for praying and, and just pausing even in our prayer to be grateful for veterans. I know that some of you might be veterans in this room. Undoubtedly, uh, many of your family members or friends were veterans, and so we are incredibly grateful for that. My wife, Holiday and I got kind of a front row seat and a deeper appreciation for our military and Veterans Day in a unique way yesterday. Um, our sons play football at the University of New Mexico. That's not what's important. Here's what is. They were on the road playing a game against the Air Force Academy. And so we got to spend the day at the Air Force Academy, and it was impressive. I mean, it was just so powerful as they marched all the cadets onto the field and they took time to honor veterans, as you would imagine. And literally, we just got a front row seat to both the current and the future, um, just influence and generation of military might and wisdom that we have. So anyway, we are uniquely grateful this weekend for that. So thank you guys for those of you that served and had family members that served. Um, today, as Larissa mentioned uh, in her unintimidable way, uh, that this is our last weekend of understanding Jesus. Um, this week, interesting, as I was thinking about the passage, what came to mind actually in an odd way was natural disasters, which you'll understand this more in a second. But I was thinking about how all of us have seen images or even experienced disasters as we walk this world. So this is just an image clearly of a hurricane that swept through, which to me is one of the worst. I mean, I know some of you might have grown up in Tornado Alley, kind of the Midwest region, and lots of you like me grew up in California where we have earthquakes. But hurricanes to me uniquely, just the damage and devastation that they do, it's just awful. You know, you think about the winds blowing and just destroying property and the, the rain and the wet and just everything it creates. It's just havoc in what it does. But what's always fascinating to me in the midst of the pain and the tragedy are images like this, not just of the devastation, but like that place that's still standing there, you know, or that one, or like, how did, what happened? Like, why did that place make it in the midst of the storm that everything around it experienced in the same way. And yet uniquely, there was something about that place that allowed it to withstand this storm and this pressure. And we think about that and we understand just from the visual imagery of this that there, there are things that sweep through our life that bring all kinds of pain and things we don't anticipate and don't expect. For some of us, it's things that we deal with in terms of health issues. Like, I don't know, maybe you did, but I didn't see COVID coming. Like, it's all of a sudden, here it was in the spring, and I certainly didn't think it was going to last as long as it had, and have just the ripple effects of pain that it created in people's lives, not just from a health perspective, but think about what it stirred for us relationally and politically, and even within churches, it was just awful. 
And so we think about the health issues we face. We think about the emotional issues that get compounded as a result of that now, just the loneliness and isolation and anxiety and worry. I worry so much and I have such a heart for the next generations of kids that are coming up. There's just such, it seems like a blanket of uncertainty has just gotten laid over the entire world. And we deal with not only those things, but the shrapnel of the economy and the crisis and inflations and things that happen in our lives personally, whether it's job loss or whatever that might mean, and just all of these things that just suddenly sweep into our lives. And how in the world can we navigate these things in such a way that we are like the one house that's able to stand in the midst of the devastation? How are we able to be able to survive the storms and the pain that come our way undoubtedly in the world that we face. And so that's exactly what we're going to look at today as we conclude our Understanding Jesus series. That's why I'm so glad that you guys are here. Understanding Jesus. And what we've been looking at, of course, are 10 of the more common parables or stories that Jesus told. And we know that he told these stories because there was spiritual truth embedded in them, principles for life that he wanted people to live by. They were kind of like theological word problems that he told. And so you got to see, get a picture of not just who Jesus was, but how he viewed the world and the way we were supposed to interact with it. And so today, one of the things we're gonna see is that Jesus actually was probably the first, certainly the best real estate expert on the planet. And he's gonna tell us what it looks like, how we can build a life that will withstand any storm that this world brings it, not just for today, but for all of eternity that would stand the test of time. And one of the things I love about Jesus, he's not gonna just tell us, tell us where to build or how, he's gonna tell us why we'd even want to. And here's one of the things I believe you're gonna see is if you've been here, you're gonna see one of the same things that we talk about often. Understanding Jesus is actually not that difficult. Jesus actually spoke very simply very clearly, very plainly to people, using the most common illustrations of the day. That's not what's challenging. Doing what he says is what's challenging. Actually living out these stories and these principles that we hear, that's where it becomes pretty complicated. So I just want to invite you guys to go on this journey with me today. Grab your Bibles if you brought it. You can turn to Luke chapter 6. The story's recorded a couple places. We're going to look at it in Luke chapter 6. I always say this, but if you need a Bible, I would love for you to have a Bible. There's Bibles in the back. I like that just because you can write on them, write in the margin, write what Jesus is talking to you about. But grab a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to start just three verses. Again, pretty simple to understand, challenging to live out. Luke six forty six. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and they break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. 
So clearly you can probably get a sense of, oh, that's why Kyle had those images coming to mind as he's reading this passage all week and wondering what God's saying to us. And the context of this conversation that Jesus is having with people, you gotta remember, this isn't like a conversation with just his disciples and people in a room. There's a whole crowd of people that's gathered, not unlike this, and so he's talking. Right, And he's sitting out, you know, outdoors where he usually is in Galilee. There's probably some mountains behind him, and they're on a road, and not too far in the distance would be you know, a beach, and a little town, Capernaum, would be right next door. So he's just having this big conversation with all these people. And in the midst of that, then, he, it's interesting, he tells this story, and he gives two really clear, non-negotiable facts of life. It just makes it obvious. The first one, of course, is we're all builders, Everyone is building something, right? Because it says a person's going to build. Every person builds. You're either building on the rock or you're building on, on the sand without offending, but you're building. And we understand this. And so think for a second what you would build. If you're building a home, what would your dream home look like? Just imagine it in your mind. Would it be big or would it be small? And the obvious answer is Big. Who wants a small house? Unless you feel like you have to clean it all the time. It's like, you know, like tiny homes, you put them on trailers. So you're like, yeah, I'm going to carry my house around. I love RVs. But the bottom line is think about your dream home. What would it look like, big or small? What kind of what architecture would it have? Where would you put your house? If you could put your house, would you have a view? And if you had a view, what would you have a view of? And more importantly, not just the house, what do you want to that house to facilitate and represent? My bet is you wouldn't be alone in that house. You'd have family. My bet is you'd want the sound of kids and joy and happiness. You'd want laughter to come out of that house. You'd want friends to come over and feel welcome. You would want to be the lighthouse, right? The neighborhood house that everybody goes to and there's activity and there's a sense of wonder and purpose and everybody's jumping in the pool and then they're running in the yard. Like that's the kind of house. And Jesus is saying, look, we're all builders. And he's using this idea of a house as everyone's building, not just a house, you're building a life. Everyone is building a life. And all of it have what? We have dreams. And we have these values that we're chasing in this prayer. And all of us are building towards something. And that's all Jesus is saying. Look, we're all builders. And here's what we want, a place that's safe, a place that's comfortable, a place that's full of joy and laughter and wonder. That's what we want. Second thing we see is that storms are going to happen. Literally, hurricanes happen. It's a non-negotiable fact of life. He doesn't say, look, if the flood comes or if the flood waters rise or if the wind or the rain happens to blow against your house. He says, when? Look, when this happens in your life, it's a non-negotiable fact of life. Everybody's building a life and storms are going to come crashing in. And this is another thing that all of us understand. And as you look and you read and you understand that there's a couple ways that theologians have unpacked this through the years. Everybody agrees that it's the storms of life that he's talking about. And there's many theologians that also believe it's the storm of eternity that Jesus is talking about. So the storms of life, we get a sense of, of pretty quickly. We understand what we were talking about earlier, that there's relational pain that's gonna exist in our lives, that people are gonna hurt us, that people are gonna abandon us, that people are gonna betray us and walk away, that there's gonna be a sense of loss that comes into our life, that our dreams sometimes are gonna feel like they just evaporated right in front of us. There's storms financially that we're going to deal with and pain, health crisis that are going to come. All these storms are going to come of life, the storms of life. But we also understand that there's a storm coming that all of us faces of eternity, which is what's on the other side of death. Right? That's the other non-negotiable. 
We're all going to die. What then? What happens with like that eternal storm? When that storm sweeps through your life, what's on the other side of death? And so Jesus is basically just putting that in front of people, saying, what are you, we're all building a life, and storms are going to come your way. The storms in this life and the storm of eternity that you're going to face one day. What are you going to build your life on, is what he's saying. Because we all try to build something into our life to answer those questions. We all want to build something in our life to answer the questions for the storms of today. And we all try and build something into our life to answer what happens when we die. There's lots of different alternatives the world offers us for both of those. For some of us, right, and things of the storms of today, we try and manage it with, you know, our own intellect, our own power, our own wisdom. We can be smart enough. We can be good enough. We can work hard. If we have enough power, money, or influence, we can manage the storms of today. I can build a life that will withstand anything. And we do the same thing with storms for eternity. All of us try and answer the question, what happens on the other side of death? For lots of us, the world will start telling you, well, karma is the way you deal with that. Whatever you put out there in the world, that's what comes back to you. One of the popular things today, manifestation. If you think it hard enough, if you write it out enough, if you put it under your pillow, if you journal it this many times, this is gonna come true until it doesn't. And then you realize somehow you failed and you start over and you try it again. For some, it's not karma. It's not, for some of us, it's just we gotta be good. If I'm good enough, oh, somehow, I'll earn my way into right standing with somehow God will say yes when I get to eternity. See, there's storms that come our life, not just today, but there's an ultimate storm coming. And that's what Jesus is saying. We're all builders building a life, and hurricanes are going to happen. So then it's interesting, right? In the midst of those non-negotiables, there's really only one question that we have to deal with. Where are you going to build? If we're all builders and storms are going to come our way, where are you going to build? And this is where I, I think it's the only critical decision that we have to make because it's the one that's going to determine if our house stands or if our house collapses. It's the one that Jesus puts in front of us, and it's where we see that Jesus clearly knew or even wrote the number one rule of real estate. So all you real estate geniuses out there, the number one rule in real estate is location, location, location. That's it. That's what he would tell you. And Jesus, he knew that. And so he would just say it's location, but more important, it's foundation, 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 is what he's saying. Because here's the thing, all of you construction experts, people that understand business, and any of us understand, a foundation is only meant to do one thing, to hold up and hold together whatever is built upon it. It holds up and it holds together whatever's built upon it. And that's what Jesus is saying. You only have two options. You can build a house with a solid foundation on rock, or you can build a house with no foundation that's on sand. It's just going to get washed away. This is the alternative. And as soon as those early listeners would have heard Jesus start talking about rock, my bet is, for many of them, if not most of them, they would have remembered. That's right. Rock was the word historically for those people that they would have associated with the character and the nature of God. Because why? Because he's immovable. He's unchangeable. He's steady and constant. He's always there. 
You can count on him and depend on him. They would have understood that in contrast to what sand is. It disappears. It erodes. It moves by wind or by water or by anything else in life. And they probably would have started thinking about all these passages that it would pass down to them through the years, which so many of us have read, right? You go all the way back to Genesis and you see when Jacob's wrestling with God, he calls him the rock of Israel. In 1 Samuel, we see that when Hannah's dedicating her baby, she says, there's no rock like our God. For lots of us, we've read through the Psalms, especially in some of our most desperate moments, and we see that David and Asaph and so many of those writers, particularly in like Psalm 18, they're crying out, oh, my God is my rock and my refuge, my place of safety, who never changes, and I can find safety and comfort and everything I need in him because he's a rock, They probably would have remembered the prophet Isaiah and others who said there is a rock, a cornerstone that's coming on which you can build your life. And then they would have said, wait a second, this is Jesus who's standing right in front of us who said he came to fulfill those prophecies. Of course, Paul wrote about these in the New Testament saying Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rock. And what Jesus is clearly saying is build your life on me. You have two choices. You can choose me. You can build your life on me. You can walk with me. You can follow me. You can live out your life with me or not. There's really only two choices. I am the foundation, the rock that you've been waiting for, that you've been hungry for, that you can build your life of safety and comfort and peace. I will hold you up and I will hold you together in life's most desperate moments. Jesus is looking out and saying that to people when the storms of life, when the hurricanes come, I'll hold you up and I'll hold you together. When people walk out and when they leave you and when they abandon you, I will be present. I will never leave you. I will hold you up and I will hold you together. When your dreams slip away, when your job disappears, when you don't get the school or the degree or the diploma or the promotion you were hoping for, I will hold you up and I will hold you together. He's saying, I will be the one who will do this. When you walk through the health crisis, when the doctors in the whole world, when they shrug their shoulders and say, we don't know, we can't figure it out, and your whole life is feeling like it's being overwhelmed by wind and by rain and by floodwaters, I will hold you up and I'll hold you together. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. But he's also smart enough to realize You don't have to. I'm not going to make you build your life on me. You see, Jesus is so kind. And he's always just inviting people to choose. And he says, you can either build your life, right, on the firm foundation of me and my love for you and my sacrifice for you and my power and my strength and my comfort and my wisdom for you, or not. But building your life any other way, what he's saying, with no foundation, it looks a lot like this. It looks beautiful from the outside. It looks amazing. We think, wow, that's really cool. But all of us would know. Think about if you could live in a sandcastle. It'd be great. But that thing's going to be gone in a day. Maybe it'll last a few days. Maybe it'll last a week. Maybe it'll last till my kids come and stomp on it and it disappears because that's what they used to do when they were kids. But the bottom line is it doesn't last. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting. Do you want to be the house 
that's standing in the midst of the storm that the whole world is like, how is that possible? That when the floods come and when the pandemics come and when the markets crash and when the health crises sweep through your life, you can still move through it with a sense of purpose and even joy and hope because it's not built on you. It's built on Jesus. Or do you want to collapse? Do you want to just have the wind and the rain just knock it down? And see, here's the thing. All of us understand what this looks like. We've seen and encountered people that have built their lives on Jesus and have built their lives on the sand. And we've seen people that walk through the same kinds of circumstances, whether it's a health crisis or the betrayal of a friend or a spouse, or whether it's tragic and sudden loss that just takes your breath away. And we've seen the people that have built their house on Jesus in the midst of the pain and through tears and silence, they could just say, you know what, I don't understand it and I'm so sad and angry, but I believe that Jesus is with me. I believe that he's good. They'll talk about the relationships that they have with people that are texting them or encouraging them or praying for them and holding them up even in the midst of the pain. They'll talk about the scriptures, but I know that God is faithful, but I know that God is good, but I know that God is delivered, but I, they'll just have this sense of hope even in the midst of the devastation. And we've all been around people whose faith, whose life was built on sand. And when a similar kind of storm sweeps through their life, whether it's a health crisis or a job loss, things didn't go their way, dreams slipped through their fingers, anger, but you know what happens? I knew it. I knew I couldn't trust God. I knew that he's not faithful. He's a liar. And it, you can feel just the anger and the sadness and the pain, and you just feel the devastation. And that's what Jesus is saying. We're all builders, every one of us. And storms are going to come. The only question you got to decide is where do you want to build? Do you want to build your life in such a way that it can withstand the storms of this life and into eternity? Or are you going to be the kind of person that just gets swept out to sea, literally? That's the choice that Jesus is giving. And so, really the only question that I think Jesus was asking them, that I think he's asking you today, is what, or, or maybe who, are you building your life on? That's it. What are you building your life on? What does it look like? And my sense is, my, my bet is, that most people clearly want to build a life that will last. And so one of the things I love about Jesus, again, is when he says that we're all builders and that, that hurricanes happen and storms come through our life, he paints this picture of life with him or life without him, which answers the question why, I think, we'd want to. But then one of the things I love about Jesus, again, I love about our Bible, is that it's really pretty simple. And he already is answered the question, how? Because probably for some of us, we're wondering, how would I build a life on Jesus? And maybe for some of us, like me, that have walked with Jesus a long time, 
we need to be reminded of what does it look like to build my life on Jesus? And he already answered the question. If we look back in verse 47, it says this. He said, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. So he says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to paint this picture for you of who God is, what he looks like. I'm going to paint a picture for you of what it looks like for someone who does this and someone who builds their life on sand. And it's very simple. He says three things. Someone who comes to me, who listens to me, and who follows me. This is the invitation he's giving you. If you want to build your life on Jesus, come to me, listen to me, and follow me. And so the first one, come to Jesus. What does it mean to come to Jesus? Who gets to come to Jesus? And you're the 1130 crowd, right? So you guys are the Bible scholars. Who gets to come to Jesus? And the obvious answer is everyone, anyone, right? But here's what he says specifically in Jesus's own words. In Matthew chapter 11, he says this, come to me, all of you who are and, and I'll give you rest. You see, that's the invitation that Jesus gives, is to people that are tired, people that are worn out, people that are overwhelmed, people who are tired of trying to stand up on their own to the winds of life or whatever's coming their way, people that are overwhelmed and burdened. And how would these people show up then, right? How do people show up in the midst of this? What does that look like? So I think they show up just like you. Because here's my bet. I think you guys came today and you walked through those doors and you came hungry to hear from Jesus. Really. I don't think it was, let's just go to church. I think it was, I need to hear from Jesus. I think you came in because somehow there's some wind in your life. There's some floodwaters in your life. There might be some rain. There's some pain that's being created. And you're like, I don't need Kyle. I don't need church. I don't need people. You know what I need today? Jesus. And you came today just longing to hear from him. And so you showed up with a sense of curiosity, a sense of wonder, a sense of what's it going to mean to follow him. And that's all the invitation is. You see, people that tend to show up, people that were around Jesus in that day or even today, people that show up with a sense of judgment, people that show up with accusation, people that show up trying to discount who Jesus, they don't, they obviously, they just totally miss Jesus. But if you show up with curiosity and wonder, if you show up with an expectation that he's going to talk to you, he wants to do something powerful in your life, he will. So you got to come to Jesus. The second thing is you got to listen to Jesus. And I know for some of you, you might go, wait a minute, Jesus still speaks? What does he sound like? Because I've never heard him. And I'm like, yes, of course Jesus still speaks. My belief is you've already heard him today. Let me tell you how. Let me tell you why. Maybe you heard him when you were walking in and there was somebody who greeted you. They said, good morning. Maybe they gave you an affirmation or a compliment. Maybe you have a relationship with somebody in this room and they said, hey, how are you today? Hey, how did that go this week? I was praying for you. Maybe they gave you some encouragement. And all of that is Jesus often speaks to us through one another. Maybe today as you came in, you've already heard Jesus because we've been sitting here. And maybe you noticed a lot of the songs that we've been singing relate exactly to this passage. And I bet Jesus was speaking to you even in the midst of singing those songs. Because every time we sing, we're literally just singing scripture. Songs are just scripture that's put to a melody because it sticks deeper in our soul. And so probably in the midst of singing songs, or even if you didn't sing, maybe you're like, I don't want to get this whole singing thing. I'm just going to stand here. My bet is you were at least reading and just wrestling with the lyrics and questions would come to mind. 
What does that mean? What does that look like? Angel asked you to put your hands out like this in a posture to surrender and it just had you think through. What are the things you'd need to let go of today? And when, Guess who's helping you think through that? Jesus speaking to you. What about that? What about that? Jesus speaks to us in his, in his word. Clearly, he's talking to us right now. He's talking to me right now, even as I'm speaking to you. He talks to us through creation, the Bible says. Just the wonder of sunrises and sunsets, the whole world stops at moments like that, waterfalls, the power. We just go, because Jesus is speaking, right? And and that's what he sounds like because he speaks most powerfully and profoundly, right, just through the Spirit. And it's his grace that allows us to even hear those questions, to wrestle with those moments, to consider what we would need to surrender, what it would look like to build our house. All of those things. That's just Jesus speaking. But if he's speaking, then the question is, well, what does he sound like? And he answers the question in that same passage, Matthew 11, the next verse, verse 29. He says, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. In his own words, Jesus is humble and gentle. So guess what he sounds like? Humble and gentle. Whenever you hear questions in your heart or your mind, whenever you're wrestling with things, if you hear a voice that sounds like an accusation, it sounds like judgment, a voice that's looking at you like, I can't believe you've done this again. We've talked about this for years. You chose, you thought you were gonna build your house on me and now you've done this again. That's not Jesus. Because Jesus is humble and gentle. And so there's so much more kindness. Think about it. He's already saying, just come to me. I'll give you rest. He's inviting you into the space. And don't get me wrong, Jesus will ask you hard things and he will say the hard truths. But it won't sound judgmental and condescending and accusational. It'll sound much more like, ah, son, I'm so sad that that's the choice you made. I'm so sad that that's the kind of pain that got created in your life as a result of that. Why don't you come with me? Let me show you a different way. Why don't you let go of that? Why don't you let go of that thought? Why don't you let go of that habit? Why don't you let go of that resentment? or that? Why don't you just let that go? Let me lead you into freedom. And joy. Don't you want to be full of joy and full of wonder? See, Jesus, he'll say the hard things. He'll ask. He'll point out stuff. Hey, you should let that go. Hey, why don't you drop that? Hey, look at what that's creating in your life. He'll say that. But it's not going to be judgmental and shaming and condemning. He's just going to be inviting you to build your house on him instead of something else. And that's the invitation. Come to me. Listen to me. And then finally, this is... One of the most important, and it's one of the most easily overlooked. We talk about this a lot here. We talked about it a lot last week. And that is simply follow Jesus. Come to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and then follow Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 46 at the very beginning that we read. He said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do it? He's not saying, why did you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't think 
about right things or what I say. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't pray right things? In Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you're not doing what I've said? Why are you doing these things? And it's probably just a sense of, guys, you're totally missing. Why? Again, it's not judgment and shame and condemnation and fear. It's this powerful invitation to say, let go of that life. Let go of building on the sand. Let go of those things that are temporary, that are getting blown out of your life every day. Let go of those things that aren't going to hold you for all eternity. Why do you keep doing just, uh, just listen and follow. You'll get the beautiful life that you want to build is built on me. It's this invitation. Build your life on Jesus. And again, it, it's both things. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Right? So clearly, he's moving them away from just thinking about following Jesus. Or our term for believe, a lot of people say if you believe in Jesus, right, you'll be saved. And he even says that. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Right? Anybody heard that passage? Romans 10, super familiar. Okay, but the, ver the word believe there is a verb. It's an action that you do with your life. And a lot of times we just reduce it to sort of this intellectual thing like, well, I believe. Well, I, I think Jesus is who he said he is. And what Jesus is saying was your life, your house that you're building is going to demonstrate and show what you really believe. And it's not just an intellectual ascent into something. It's not just thinking, right? And we know this because James, right, half-brother of Jesus, wrote this whole book at the end of the Bible And in there, he says, even Satan believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what's the difference between Satan believing and someone building their house believing? And the obvious answer is following, doing. Satan is not following Jesus. He's not choosing to do the things that Jesus teaches and knows that he's supposed to do because he doesn't care about that. But he still believes that Jesus is who he is intellectually. And what Jesus is saying is, that's not good enough, guys. It's not good enough to think I'm the son of God. It's not good enough just to think that I came and that I died to pay this price for your sin and all the storms that you bring into your life on your own. It's not enough to think that I can hold you for eternity. You have to bet your life on it, and that means follow, like live it out, actually do it. And it's interesting, this is a perfect way to wrap up this series for 10 weeks because this is Jesus wrapping up like 25 verses of teaching. So he's just given them like a whole sermon about everything we've been talking about basically for the last 10 weeks. He's just been teaching them about what this kingdom looks like where he came and he says, I came into this world so that you would know that you're loved and that you're seen and that you're valuable and there's a different way. I came into this world because you can't pay the price of your sin and the damage that you create in your own life and in your own story and for the people around you. And I came so that I would bear the burden of all that and I would die on a cross for all of that and I would be resurrected back to life to demonstrate my power over all of this evil and all of the storms that you're going to experience in life. And I came so that you would know I could hold you up and I could hold you together. And I came so that you would see what it looks like then to live a life of grace and of truth and of forgiveness and of kindness and of generosity and of selflessness and all compassion, all these things. And then he's finishing and summarizing this whole thing by going, so just come to me, listen and keep learning every single day and every single moment what I'm saying to you and then do it. That's it. That's what he's saying. Live it out. 
Be people that demonstrate your life is built on me. When the storms of life sweep through, come to me, listen, and follow. That's the invitation. And so, like I said, it's really simple. What or who are you building your life on? And here's the thing. There there is a decision that has to get made where you are choosing to build your life exclusively on Jesus and who he is as the son of God and the one who died for you and the one who paid the price of your sin and the one who was resurrected to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak and lead and guide and even empower your life. There's a moment where you have to decide, I'm going to build my life on Jesus. And what I would tell you, as someone who made that decision years ago, construction never ends. Never. On a daily basis, I am still coming to Jesus And I'm still listening to him as best I know how. And I'm still choosing to follow into the things he calls me to. And there's so many places in our life, in my life, oftentimes, we want to cut corners in our construction. We want to sort of use cheap materials. Or it's like, yeah, Jesus, I got that, but I think I'm going to take care of all this on my own. Or we don't want to let the building inspector in. Just say, yeah, just not that room. Don't worry about that. Just take care of everything else. It's not the way of Jesus. Building your life on him is a decision you make for eternity and every single day to come to him, to listen to him, and to follow him. So if you would, just close your eyes, bow your heads. There's just one question. What or who have you been building your life on? What have you been trusting in to hold you up and to hold you together? And maybe for some of you, this is This is your first time here, or maybe this is your first time at church. This is your first time coming and listening to Jesus talk to you and invite you into this life where your life can be built upon an immovable, unshakable, unchangeable rock. And if that's you and and you just, you want to choose to build your life on Jesus and place your faith in him I just want to invite you wherever you are just to raise your hand so I could pray over you you don't have to move just raise your hand wherever you are I got you Jesus knows and maybe for some of us maybe you've been cutting corners a little bit in construction 
Maybe you've started settling into trying to build on your own strength or on your own power, on your own resources, on your own wisdom, your own emotions, maybe your own addictions. And it's time to let those go. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to raise your hand wherever you're at so I can pray over you. So Father, thank you today for the evidence just by us being in this place with you that you speak to us. Thank you for the way that you remind us of your heart for us, your care, your kindness, your love that before you ever, before we ever even knew you existed, you already sent Jesus into this world. You already gave us your, your word that your spirit is available to every single one of us. And so thank you, God. Thank you for the hands that were raised to trust you wholeheartedly and exclusively. And I pray that your spirit would even sweep through their hearts and their minds and their lives bringing a sense of of peace and rest and comfort and joy and wonder and hope. I pray that you would bring healing into our lives and stories where we need it. And I pray that God, every single day, you would help us to come come with curiosity, to come with wonder, to come with humility to you, to listen to your word, to listen to what you have to say to us in all the different magnificent ways that you speak. And God, that we would choose to follow, that we would be people that the world can see these these homes, these houses, these lives that stand in the midst of storms. So just continue to speak and give us the humility and courage to respond to you.